Hello you. Welcome to another episode of Actors Making It. I'm your host, Danny Barton, and I like to have conversations with actors and creatives about their journey to making it, in whatever way making it may mean to them. This week's episode will be the last one for 2021. Um, I'll pick up where we left off towards the end of January, but I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas and New Year. And I just want to thank you all, really, for tuning in each week as I look to hear all about different actors' journeys and experiences. It really is a privilege to have you, and it is a pleasure to bring these to you each week. And I've also really enjoyed receiving some feedback from listeners via social media, and also my guests telling them about the nice messages that they have received after their episode airs. Next year, I do hope to bring you more and more interesting stories and journeys that hopefully give you a little bit more of a sense that we're all in this together. And with any luck, you get a few tips and tricks as you move along your own journey to making it. If you have enjoyed this series, I would be so grateful if you could tell your acting friends about the podcast. And if the platform that you're listening from allows reviews or a little rating, that would be wonderful as well, as it means we'll get in front of some more people. Um, look, I just wanted to share a little bit of exciting news and insight from my experience with We Audition. Now, obviously, every week I have a little promo spot for um, for We Audition because it's such a great platform. But apart from the fact that I feel like I'm working on my craft whenever I use it, last week I helped Deshaun Terry with an audition. And if you don't know his name, Deshaun plays Daniel in The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston, or if for our Australian listeners, Morning Wars. I got to help someone that we would probably all consider has made it with an audition for what will hopefully be his next gig. If the stars are using We Audition, why aren't you? Get on it, guys, if you haven't already. And remember, if you do sign up to be a reader, you can get 25% off your membership with the code MAKINGIT. Now, this week's guest is Benjamin Murray. Benjamin commenced his career on Shortland Street in New Zealand in his teens for a couple of weeks. And he has battled thyroid cancer and is managing an acting career with dyslexia and ADD. Ben knows all about pushing past the hurdles and keeping his eye on the prize. I hope you enjoy, as always, this week's conversation of actors making it. Yay! Benjamin, thank you so much for joining me. I'm swell. How are you? Very well. A little bit tired. Didn't sleep so well, but glad to be oh, here. I'm sorry. Well, I'm happy that you were able to uh, to join us at this early hour of 11 a.m. <laughs> Always. Always. Um, again, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm, I, I mean, as you know, I love chatting to other actors and, and learning about their, their journeys and hopefully inspire today's and tomorrow's actors of the world that are out there trying to make it at the moment. Um, but I'm really keen to care. That's not a word. I'm really keen to learn, I guess, all about your acting journey. I've looked at your profile or your showcast and obviously know that you've traveled a little bit um, with your acting. So I'm keen to kind of really delve in deep into all of that. But where did it all, where did it all start for you? It started when mum bought me a Superman costume. I was two. And uh, I just never grew out of uh, escape, I guess. And in this case, role play being into other people's shoes. I don't know. It's not that I'm bored by myself. I just, it's, some, it's something I was good at and seem to thoroughly enjoy. I haven't become bored of it yet. Uh, the short version of the story is um, finished high school, went to a film school thinking I'd be better behind the camera. 
um, theatre really wasn't um, on the radar for me then at 18. Um, and yes, at the film school, there was a drama school next door and they ran acting classes once a week for any of the film students. I attended a few months in David Coddington, who was the head of drama at a place called South Seas Film Television School in Auckland. He you know, asked me to see him after class and I thought, oh God, what have I done? Because he, um, yes, if you, if you called into his office, you're in trouble usually. And I went and sat down, he walked in, you know, closed the door, looks at me and just came out. He said, Ben, what the fuck are you doing? I said, what? And he, he goes, well, I see you walking around campus and you look miserable. Um, your eyes light up when you come into my classes. You're a reasonable director. I mean, you can write, but nothing spectacular. Um, I think you need training, but I think you're quite a hot little actor. And I think you should pursue that for whatever it's worth. So I dropped out of film school the next week. And then through complete serendipity, um, God knows what, I got my first gig on Shortland Street, which we don't have here in Australia, but is New Zealand's neighbours or home and away, all based uh, yeah, around I've, hospital. I have heard of it. So I had a couple of weeks as a featured, well, guest role, whatever, on Shortland Street. That was my first gig. And then wow. fast forwarding a bit, began first year at a drama school called the National Theatre in Melbourne um, when I was 20. Uh, finished first year of that and was diagnosed with thyroid cancer so yes the i'm trying to keep it as brief and concise as possible i have to keep it brief um, i'm here to hear you we're here to hear your journey <laughs> yeah well 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 i mean effectively um had the operation uh and then had what they thought would be maybe two and a half years of treatments ahead of me so before that went to london i my family on my mother's side are British and Danish. I've always had a real affinity um, with London in particular. I've been going back and forth since the age of seven. I know you have a fond place in your heart for London. Um, and we went over as a family after I got through my art. My birthday was coming up and my mum's 50th. So it was sort of a combined, hooray, no tumour. Happy birthday, Ben. Happy birthday, mum, all the rest of it. And as we were going over the bridge, um, to where we were staying I don't know where it came from I just looked at my mother and said I'm well the plan was to go away for about a month and then go back to New Zealand and I said no I'm not going back in a month and well darling I mean you I don't want to be a pain but you do have your treatments coming up you know I said no 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 I'm gonna um put them off for a bit I'm gonna get some work and I, I'm 22 I might be getting a little bit old to play Romeo soon I want to do that before I'm too old she goes okay you know, like, that's nice, dear, you know, that kind of thing. And um, a few weeks later, I had been booked for three theatre productions. One was a fringe production about the human trafficking that was going on, or has, you know, the history of that. Another one was playing Paris in Romeo and Juliet for the Stratford-upon-Avon Shakespeare Festival. And then following that was a three-month tour around the entire UK playing Romeo. So oh, you got to play your Romeo. I got to play Romeo. I just, I basically somehow, I don't, I wish I knew how to do that in everything in my life. I just decided I was going to do it and I did it basically. I don't know why it just, I, I going over that bridge, having just, maybe I was jet lagged after the flight 
landing at Heathrow. I don't know. But I just really wanted to play Romeo and all of a sudden it came along. Um, so I did that and until the doctors were sort of, you know, hounding me to get back to New Zealand to begin my radioactive treatments. Fast forward a bit, effectively seven years until I was fully recovered. I managed to, um, you know, spend a lot of time reading and watching my heroes and learning about different practices. Um, I would have the odd time where I might be okay to do a day of work here and there. I mean, I had the energy essentially, Danny, of, of a 91-year-old man. Like I'd walk around the block and I was to put it, yeah, I was fucked basically. So I couldn't, wow. I wasn't really, I wasn't really up to much. So having gotten in full remission, um, pretty much seven years later, started getting a bit of a few gigs in New Zealand, did my first feature film, um, Pirates of the Airwaves, about a pirate radio station, not um, unlike the boat that rocked, if you ever saw that, it was a film based on a true story that happened in New Zealand in the 60s, that was fun. Then went back to London and yep, great to be back, getting a few gigs, want more, wanted to have a sense of completing training. Um, I applied for RADA, they had a postgraduate course and whilst I wasn't a graduate, because of course I only finished first year at my first drama school, um, God knows why, there are a few thousand applicants, they picked 16 and I got in. Um, now, the shortest version of that story is that was incredible. Um, military training of a different discipline. Um, experiences that I'll never forget. I don't think I'll ever have to work harder in my life than what some of the things they got us to do. Um, now, at the end of the day, though, it is a pass-fail course. There's no sort of, you can't get a first or a 2-1 or whatever. You either pass everything or you don't. Now... I'm someone of reasonable wit, but um, I do struggle with dyslexia and I do have ADD and all the rest of it. But more importantly, I had no idea quite what I was in for, never mind the drama training and the physical and emotional side of that, spiritual side of that, whatever. Um, just a master's in general, I was completely unprepared for. Um, I think I underestimated... And it is a skill, essay writing. Um, in short, they basically, they couldn't keep me there because as I said, it was a pass-fail course. And so with only one term left, I was withdrawn from the course, unfortunately. But the positive side of the story is Andrew Wisniewski, essentially my fairy godmother, as I fondly refer to him, he, um, look, he kept saying to me, look, Ben, it's not like you were withdrawn from this course because of bad behavior or anything like that. Um, I can see you've given it your best shot. Um, and look, honestly, Danny, he's kind of looked after me like any other alumni. Um, I'm still in touch with a lot of people, not so much people in my year, but other people, past graduates, people in other courses while I was there. Um, during the time that I was in London, I managed to still get work and all the rest of it. I, it's extremely lucky. And um, look, that was in uh, the middle of 2016 that I left RADA. So I've been working a lot more since. And I don't know, I think it's a combined uh, aspect of, sure, the training was great, but I can't believe it was just that. The more cynical view would be, oh, well, having the RADA stamp on your CV, you know, helps, sure. I think it's more because I was 30 
when I left. And I think a lot of actors go in and then 10 years later, they may not have gotten the work they hoped for or they, whatever, they, they, just, they just don't want to keep doing it. So the competition drops substantially. I don't know. I do feel, I did notice since I turned 30, a hell of a lot more work came my way. I think it's the sum of all things, but um, look, so yes, look, essentially worked in London fairly regularly uh, until the end of 2018. And then I've uh, spent some time in New Zealand and then I, yes, I've been in Sydney since June all right. through, through two lockdowns. But um, it's it's going okay otherwise. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, okay. So there was a a lot of information there. So I'm going to try and remember all of it and unpack <laughs> unpack bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, sure. So effectively, what I've heard there is at the age of two, you were given something to dress up in, and you've wanted to dress up ever since. And you've obviously experienced some considerable obstacles in your life to um to kind of get you where you are now or at least get you to the point that you're at now um let's talk about those obstacles so obviously cancer isn't isn't a small thing um by any means uh and to i guess and i don't want to don't want to use the wrong word how how did you kind of push on when you were in London knowing that you, do you think that had, that was an element of what pushed you forward for that, like I'm gonna be Romeo I'll because you might've been having that, uh, that, you know, I've got cancer. I need to just, if I don't do it now, I might not never do it or? Look, I, I think, you know, something like 30% of the, uh, of people who go through a thyroidectomy, the operation I had, they don't live. Um, the famous director, wow. Anthony, Mangala, the, Anthony Mangala, you know, English patient, Cold Mountain, tell to Mr. Ripley. He died, I think it was three months later during the same operation effectively. Um, so it was already a frightening thought, obviously, um, you know, the big C word, cancer at 21. But I think, um, I think it was an added aspect that there was actually a chance that look, there was a chance that maybe I'd lose my voice. There was a chance that I would hemorrhage and not live through it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think it defines me, but it's certainly, but it, it's funny. I, I was asked a while ago, you know, I keep getting asked, what would I tell myself at, I mean, I'm 35 now, what would I tell myself at 21 pre-diagnosis? Shit, I don't know. What do, you, what do you tell someone? You know what I mean? Like, I sort of feel like maybe if I was 31, may have been a bit better equipped to deal with it. Um, look, you know, it goes without saying, obviously, you know, there were mental health issues that came throughout treatments. Um, um, it was, it was, it was, there's no bones about it. There was a lot I got from it, don't get me wrong. I can look at it that way, but there's, there's, there's nothing fun about it. Absolutely not. It's, um, it's, it's pretty pretty bleak times i think well i mean when when is ever a good time to get cancer but i think um early 20s yeah it was it was rough i'm not gonna but i i'd like to think there were some of the darker days of my life for sure 
Um, and I think it, back to your question, sorry, I'm digressing, but the point is that yes, the pushing forward, I think it absolutely was an element of denial. Absolutely. Um, because I think the op was one thing. I, I think the, you know, when COVID hit and everybody's filled with uncertainty about their future, it, not that it's a competition, but there was one part of me that felt like, oh, I know this feeling. Do you know what I mean? Just everything, everything just stopping, hitting a brick wall. Who knows when it's going to end, whatever it be. It, it was very, it was effectively the same feeling because okay. I look, they, you know, maybe two years, maybe God knows how many I had ahead of me. I didn't know. So, so how yeah. do you then in that case, given that you've just said that this, when COVID hit, it was a feeling that you've already had before. Do you feel then over the last couple of years, if we, as we've kind of battled through COVID that you were some way better equipped to deal with, um, the pandemic and get yourself through if not if not better equipped it may it it maybe it was just self-talk in my head to make me feel more comfortable with the dire circumstances of just everything stopping and the fact that people are people are dying you know and and there's and and it's just it's um you know the fright i mean it's still you know an anxiety ridden experience that the world's going through but when it first hit the the sheer panic of you know what was going on, no vaccine, all the rest of it. I think, I think I just, I think like everybody, I struggled with it. And I think it was my way of um, mentally and emotionally dealing with it. So, that, oh, this is all right. I know this feeling, you know, just everything put on hold. That's, I think, yeah, but better equipped. I don't know if I, I, I think that'd be extremely arrogant for me to say that. Um, <laughs> But, but, but I, I, yeah. I, don't, I didn't mean in comparison to the rest of society, but I, I, guess, I guess I meant just for you personally, better equipped in yourself to, um, yeah, I think so. to yeah, deal absolutely. with that feeling. Um, you just started to talk about, I guess, self-talk there. Is, that, is this the type, is this the tactic, is this your tactic to deal with um, negative any kind of negative thought processes or any mental health issues that might arise as part of I th I th acting or anything else? I, th I think that's part of being um, an only child and, um, and also having effectively forced solitude. Because um, during my treatments, look, I'd have visit visits and all the rest of it, but um, a lot of the time, to be honest, I just wanted to be alone during that time of cancer treatments and all the rest of it, because I wasn't a box of birds at all, never mind um, physically, just everything that was going on. Um, so I think, I think maybe it's just been a natural go-to defense, not unlike Batman with his utility belt or whatever. It's like, oh, this is what I do. I sort of start going into the self-talk and evaluating. I mean, a lot of, I, I suppose that's one thing, like I say, there are good things I've gained from um, some of the experiences I've had is self-reflection, a lot of it. Um, if I'm not careful, I can get very caught up in my own head. So there's, there's, a, there's a fine balancing Aren't we all? all the stuff there. Yeah, yeah. Aren't we all, yeah. Um, okay, interesting. I, I think being able to talk oneself out of negativity and into positivity is, a, I think it's a rare skill to have um so if you're able to do that then that's 
that's magnificent, I think, and will obviously serve you um, very well going on. Um, so given, I guess, what you've said about your background and kind of pretty much by the sounds of it got straight into acting after you finished your, um, or rather left your film degree, into short ones. I was in three, three, three tertiary trainings and I didn't finish either course for various different reasons. It's, it's, it is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> um, has, have you personally ever felt the need for a backup plan from an acting perspective? Because obviously, you know, we don't live in a world, unfortunately, or, or, or acting isn't necessarily always a, a fruitful, financially paying gig until you make it. Um, if sorry, until you make it is the wrong way of saying that. Um, until you're working, I guess, nonstop. So, mm -hmm. um, sorry. So, what do you what do you ask? Was, I, did you ever have a backup plan a backup from a plan, career perspective? Um, honestly, Danny, um, reckless as it sounds, no, because. <laughs> Liam Neeson's going on in my head. I am a man of particular skills. I, I have, I ha, I, I have, I have some skills. Don't get me wrong, but I don't have a lot of confidence in my ability to carry them out. Okay. In, in a way that's useful to the community, um, or anything like that. I, I, it's something that I've always been incredibly comfortable in. Um, it's something that is therapeutic to me. It's something that I feel like, like I say, I feel like I have something to give with it more than I do with anything else. Um, it, I mean, I mean, I kind of look at my acting career the same as, because I, I dabble in a lot of different arts. I kind of look at it as just an sort of artist full stop, as pretentious as that sounds, I'm sure. But, you know, I, I have definitely considered um, going into other avenues. Um, I think it was a matter of, you know, do I want to get a student loan or, or you know, um, following, you know, like I said, three tertiary trainings that just through the way life went or me, who knows, maybe a bit of both, just I, you know, I'm yet to get a piece of paper beyond high school university entrance. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, it no, no backup plan is 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 what I'm hearing is the answer. I now obviously basically look 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 to say I haven't considered it. Um, look, let, the best way to answer is no. I did not have a plan. No, no. Oh, you didn't. You can't. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> how how have you maintained? Talk to me about the, the different gigs that you've done as an actor between acting jobs to keep food in your in your mouth and a roof over your head over the last uh, 15, 17-ish years? Yes. Well, I mean, like I said, 15, 15, 2006, 15? Yeah. 15 year minus seven, effectively. I don't know. Oh. So I don't know. Um, look, I've been a window cleaner. I've, I've worked in hospitality. I've worked in retail. I've worked in call centres. Um, uh I've been like front of house, um, lots of different things. Admittedly, look, there's no, there's no point in me pretending that it wasn't the case. I, I was, and 
and have been extremely fortunate to have a lot of support from my parents. Um, um, you know, if they if they ever got the sense that I was taking the piss, they wouldn't support me in between work. But there was a time, maybe shortly after arriving back in London, and I was talking to them, and I think I was working in a restaurant four days a week. Um, and just, I don't know, I had to keep saying no to auditions or... I'd sort of maybe I'd be there for a while, then I'd get an audition or or I'd get or I'd get a gig, you know, and I'd have to take the time off. And what do you mean you're not coming in on Tuesday? I, sorry, yeah. you know, it's my it's my career, and and I'd always say that when I would go for these jobs, but it was proving to be a problem. And I think it was maybe fueled by my 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 family being happy to see me remotely back on my feet, you know, okay. um, that they just said, look, Ben. I'll tell you what, maybe, you know, go for more of a part-time cash, maybe a couple of days a week, whatever, but look, just do it. We'll back you. Just, just, just don't hold back. Just go for it. Um, and that was, you know, in London, like prior to RADA, which was a good two and a half, something like that years. And I did get somewhere. I did get quite a few, quite a few short films, a lot of plays of varying levels of quality and production, but you know, I was, I was gigging. Um, but the point being is that I suppose, you know, look, I, I, there's no point in me pretending. I'm extremely fortunate that I did have, I've never rested on it because I don't know, maybe because of pride, I don't want just to be, you know, during the downtimes, mummy and daddy helping, you know, I want it like anybody, I want to do it on my own and I have managed to do it on my own. Um, it's, you know, in, in the more recent years, um, but no, there's no denying, I mean, look, arriving in Sydney as a unknown actor um, two years ago with two lockdowns in between, I've been very lucky. I mean, this year's actually been quite a good year for, for gigs. You know, I have been, been escalating and all the rest of it, but at the same time, look, look to say that I don't have help from family or my, my girlfriend or whatever in between would be, I'd, I'd just be, I don't know. It'd, it'd be, I'd feel like I'm not doing the industry, what we're talking about, a service by just saying, oh, you know, I, I just went for it, didn't have a plan and just worked out. I mean, that, that's absurd. I, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm extremely thankful for it. Um, and that's one of my ultimate goals, to be honest, professionally, is to reach a point where I have some power in casting and diversity aside, that that's a given, but also um, the class system in general, I mean, the, you know, drama school fees are absorbent and there's no way I would have, you know, especially not at RADA, been able to even blink have been able to afford the fees for that. And it goes further into work. I mean, there's a lot of time when, you know, here I am a white middle-class boy from New Zealand, you know, playing a lot of working-class characters in London. And when there are plenty of fine working-class actors, they just maybe haven't had the training or they haven't had the opportunities or there's uh, do, do you get what I'm saying? What I'm yeah, saying yeah, is yeah. I, think, I think I think you know the, the, the jobs should go equal opportunity. So what I really want is to get into a position where I have some power in casting and because you know I want to work with my friends. I don't want to just work with the people that you know were, were at the right place at the right time or had the right backing, right background, whatever it be. Um I wouldn't say I'm a total socialist, but I but I do like, you know equal opportunity as or as close to that as possible you know yeah no i mean 
that that makes total sense and i think uh i think i feel like most people kind of want and value the same thing now um so that's a i guess kind of segues into a good spot of when you when you decided all those years ago that's it i'm going to be an actor i'm not going to be behind the camera um and you landed yourself on shortland street for however many weeks but you decided i'm going to be an actor what what's your what was at that point in time your idea of making it that you were working towards when you first started out this is funny um i wanted to be you know oscar fam famous hollywood all of that then having done shortland street and on a very small, small, minuscule level, experience during those weeks that my the episodes I featured and were airing, and random people coming up to me when I was up with friends having a drink or whatever, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And that was that's on the smallest level. We're talking, you know, a, a, a soap opera local to New Zealand that apparently is very big in Ireland. Strangely enough. Um, um, people in Ireland, actually, funny story, back when I was doing that Romeo and Juliet tour, recognised me from Shortland Street. So that was hilarious. Oh, wow. but, and you were only so on it for a few weeks? Two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. Two and a half wow. weeks. Um, but, you know, like any soap, people follow this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and I, I think it's just, um, it, I couldn't stand being bothered even, you know, the few times it happened. Mm -hmm. during the screenings um so those are my dreams at the time they very quickly changed and they've they've sort of progressively moved more towards look everybody loves the credit they deserve everybody loves praise um you know everybody lots of compliment now and then done though um you know absolutely i just i think i just want to do what i'm doing um as regularly if not more regularly and continue to be because i've been very fortunate to be able to play a range of different archetypes um you know i i've been lucky to not be typecast and sometimes with fame you can become typecast um so in terms of look look i i, I want to work with whoever i want to work with i'll put it that way but at the same time i want to be able to walk down the road and be able to buy a bottle of milk you know yep and and so, so in, terms of, in terms of my in terms of my dreams, look, it would, I'd love to be I'd love to be famous in the industry, not necessarily a household name, if possible. Okay, all right. That's I think yeah. that's a um, that's a fair goal to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about a little bit the you mentioned before, and when I kind of mentioned the the obstacles that you've overcome on top sure. of the the health issues, uh, you mentioned dyslexia and ADHD. So obviously, when it comes to acting, there are a lot of words involved. There's a lot of reading involved. How have you kind of coped and or managed through that over the years? Um, obviously, I mean, looking at your CV, you've got a lot of short films, but also a lot of stage stuff. And with a lot of stage comes needing to un needing to know and remember and memorize many lines from sometimes hours. So how has that affected you throughout this journey of, of trying to make it? I, th I think not unlike um, any artist in any medium, 
I've just had to find my way. And, you know, everyone's got their obstacles. Some people struggle with nerves. I, to say I don't get nervous would be a total lie, but I don't get stage fright. Um, you know, everybody's got their Achilles heel and their craft or crafts. Um, mine is, is learning lines as a nightmare, okay. um, which is a fairly fundamental part of what we do. Yep. Um, Honestly, it's got to a point where I keep thinking I've got a technique for learning lines quickly. I it just it really just comes down to mindless just reading again and again and again and again and again and to the point where I'm just bored of it because I know it so well. Because there have been so many times, particularly in the early years, where um, I, I'd before an audition say learn my lines the the, the two days before and, and I know them very well the night before and I get in that day and shit can't remember them um so in my case with learning lines it, it's just it, it's it has to be you know as soon as i can get the script the, the sooner the better and look if, it, if it's however you know long half an hour two hours whatever it is a day just every single the, the repetition daily until it's just tattooed in my brain um yeah i, w I wish i had a way for other people maybe struggling with some of the same stuff to be able to honestly it just it just just keep reading it eventually it sticks yeah so it's been definitely something that i've just had to you know i've tried various things i've been you know class i had some help at rada all the rest of it um but but like anything as well the, the more gigs i do and i have remembered my lines obviously to be able to do all the work i've done the, the confidence grows that even when i'm freaking out fuck, i'm not i'm just they're not sticking or um, never mind line learning, anything that's not working. I'm having a bad day. It's not working today, whatever it is. Knowing that I've felt this before, trust the process, I'll get there. You know, I don't, I don't know how, I know what, the how, I, I have no idea. You know, sure. same thing. Is there, because um, you've just said, you know, get the script as early as possible. Do you, you know, sometimes when it comes to auditions, we don't have the luxury of getting the script any earlier than when we get the script. Um, but taking, I'll take auditions away for a moment, but when you're on a set or rather when you're working on your next project, do you mm -hmm. have that discussion with your team to let them, or the director or whatever, to let them know your situation so that they can give you the script I, early I, enough? Do you approach it? Do you acknowledge it? I definitely do. Look, look audition and or work. Um, I just say, look, soon as possible, you know, that would be great. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily tell them immediately that I've dyslexia or whatever, but um, mm -hmm. but I do ask for it immediately. Um, look, I only bring it up with the team if I if I think I I I will I will be struggling a bit with lines on the on the day. Having said that, again, I, I've managed to pull it off. Worst case scenario, it might be a few more takes, you know, than yeah. it would have been. Um, I'm glad to say it's been fewer situations than more. Um, but yes, it is absolutely. It's a matter of, and, and look, particularly today, um, especially in the last sort of five years, there seems to be a bit more of an understanding um, of different people's, if nothing else, quirks or the way they are. So I think a lot of people sometimes value me being quite candid and open about it as well. And it's like, you know, sort of like now everyone's seen my laundry there's nothing to hide and it actually makes me more comfortable and then i do remember my lines better in that case so i do okay. i am able to let go into the part more or whatever it be um yep. 
Mm. Cool. Do you, having lived in the UK um, and studied over there and then obviously come back, come to Sydney, have you mm. kind of noticed any differences in the industry and how they operate here versus London? Um, I think I don't, I don't, and this isn't a criticism, it's just an observation more than anything. I found they take longer to cast things here. Now, I don't know okay. if that's, if, if, if that's, if that's maybe here in Australia, there's, there's just generally more consideration taken of before a casting's made. Um, I don't know, I, I don't know, but I just find it's the, the waiting time or the, you know, the process before being granted a part or finding out the unfortunately not this time message, whatever it is, it, it is a little bit longer. Now, I really meant that's not me knocking it, saying like, oh my God, it's so bloody slow. No, it's, it's just something I noticed that, so like any audition or any work you're going for, when you apply and you sort of park it in your mind, otherwise you can go crazy waiting for the phone to ring or the emails to pop up. It, it kind of actually is quite a good thing because when I can sort of acknowledge that most things I'm going for have really have taken, seriously taken their time compared to what I'm used to, it makes it even easier for me just to go, oh, look, just, just totally put it on the, on the park it, but, you know, yeah. And then sometimes it can be, you know, a month or so later I hear. But then having said, there are gigs here that, you know, I mean, there was one literally yesterday I applied for it in the morning um, independently outside of my agent um, on Star Now. And by the afternoon, I got a phone call and I got it and I'm, I'm on set on Thursday. Thanks. So, so, so that was a quick, that was a quicker one. You know, it's not to say that they're all, I just, find, I find that that's something that more than anything stood out to me is, is casting directors or, Producers, they tend to take their time more with casting, which is probably a good thing. Is that I, I suspect it's because there's just a bit more consideration taken. Is this the right guy or girl or person for this yeah. part? But also, I guess there's potentially also an element of the the UK versus Australia is there is a lot more production over there than what there is here. So potentially yeah. casting directors and productions are moving a lot faster or potentially working on more things at a time do you think i do i do wonder that i do i do actually um something else i've noticed about um australia is there seems to be a, a greater emphasis on a holistic approach to the work which is really refreshing as In opposed australia? to a lot of, yes and what, yes. what do you mean by that exactly? It's a little bit more woo-woo. It's a bit more, um, you know, and I consider myself a bit woo-woo and kooky. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit more uh, grounded in spirituality and if not spirituality, I mean, there's an idea I quite like that, look, you know, if on some level, in life, but specifically in art, if, if you don't on some level believe in some form of magic and you're a artist of any degree, any, you know, craft, if on some level, even just on the most minuscule level, you don't believe in, in some sort of magic or something that's beyond our understanding, your art probably sucks, you know? And I think it's, it's because I'm not saying, for, you know, it's a thing of, um, click your fingers and you know magic happens I just mean in terms of something that there's a there's an added force that we don't fully understand in other words we 
I like to think when creating that we don't create the art, we're a vessel and it's basically going through us. There's something that, you know, that whatever you believe in the universe, I, you know, whatever it is you believe in, that is at work and we are merely the vessels, you know, being rewarded for the work that we're putting in and vice versa, what we give, we put out, similar to karma. It's, it's give and take. And I just think, I can't remember how I got on to this point. I'm sorry, I can't remember the original question. But but yes, I, I think that, yeah. <laughs> you're saying that the that the, oh, the holistic, here is yeah, a the more, more holistic, holistic approach. Yeah. Yes. So I guess what I'm ultimately saying is uh, the quality of a lot of the work that I've seen here um, has has um, it seems to have a bit more substance. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I really, I really warm to that. I really warm to that. Also, when I first landed here, I thought, you know, do I really need to work on my Australian accent? I better, you know, polish up on it. And the first thing my agent said was, no, honestly, Ben, because we've got plenty of Australian actors that can do an Australian accent here. Um, you know, I, I, you know, look great if you can, you know, but I don't think you're actually going to be called in for too many Australian characters, strangely. Um, what a pale, gangly guy with a weird British Kiwi hybrid accent wouldn't be cast as an Aussie on the beach. What <laughs> I think it's right within my casting, you know, they can be vampires on the beach, can't they? You know? <laughs> yeah. Got that roll down, Pat. <laughs> uh, do you think you'll stay in Australia or do you think you'll look further afield for, um, to maintain not, your career trajectory? I'm not sure. I mean, the, the one of the dreams I've had that I didn't mention before is, is I've always wanted to work in that upside down triangle, you know, between the UK, America and the Antipodes. Um, so I do, I've, I've done American work, but not on American soil. I've never worked in America. Um, I love the idea of being able to jump between them. Um, at the same time, my, my partner, she's a TV editor and she's in, she's got a great career here. She's from Hungary originally though. So we've got a Kiwi and a Hungarian that meet, met over here. So we don't know what the future holds in terms of where we'll be. We know we want to be together, but where we want to be and where we want to work, I don't know. So I'm very fond of Sydney. Um, I've I felt incredibly welcomed here. Um, made some incredible friends, made some Incredible contacts and done some wonderful work. And look, um, until I'm um, shooed off or whatever, I'm very keen to stay here because I do. I love it. I love Australia, you know. So I think probably long term, you know, at least in the you know immediate term, definitely going to be here for a while. I think I'm very fond of it. Yeah. Look, the weather's great. This is it, right? <laughs> yeah. As I look out to the La Nina sky. <laughs> of uh, the current, what is it's summer tomorrow allegedly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll see how generally that goes. Speaking, generally speaking, it's pretty good here. I mean, in weather terms, isn't it? I mean, it, it does get chilly. I'm not taking anything away from it, but I mean, I think compared to um, yes, the where I was in the northern hemisphere and even in New Zealand, the weather here is just glorious. It is amazing. Look, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm not. I, I love the cold, and I love. I love the. I can't wait to get back and back to the the the, the north, the uh, north of the equator, um, winters and cold and getting all cozy with the, the, the British Christmas and the markets. Um, I can't wait. Mulled wine. Wait. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Mulled wine tastes pretty shit unless it's at Christmas at a German market. 
yeah. <laughs> and, and all the stalls are wooden, nothing with poles. It's all wooden and rustic and yeah, yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Cannot wait to get over there. Um, okay, cool. So are you, what's the, what's the, I'm just going to ask because you've just said it. What's the project that you're working on that you're going to be on set for next week? Can you talk about it or? Sure. Um, well, I'm weekly, I'm currently shooting a feature called Sunyata, written and directed by Ewan Munro. Okay. Um, that's, I'm shooting that again tomorrow. I've been doing that for the past three weeks now. Doing that tomorrow. Thursday is a commercial. I can't say what it is. Um, and Friday, I'm doing a day on Armed and Dangerous docudrama. Wow. Yeah. So, so this week, I'm um, jumping around a bit, but yeah. And has all it, this come through your by your agent, or do um, you this get a lot of freelance through, stuff as well? This, the, these three specifically have been through a combination of contacts and Star Now, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, it's funny, I, I used to, um, th 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 there's a lot of people I've spoken to and they say, oh, don't, don't go on Star now. You know, it's not, a, it's not a good look when people look you up and whatever. I think that's bollocks because I've, I've, I've honestly had so much great work through it and met a lot of wonderful people that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, made friends, great, um, you know, colleagues that I've worked with more than once, you know, since. Is that, is that something that you've heard in Australia or is that a. Yes, yes. And in, and in England. Absolutely. I've, my, I've, I've heard it a bit about from the UK when I when sure. I say that, like I've been like I'm on Twitter and et cetera, and I effectively just follow casting agents and actors and whatnot to keep updated kind of in the industry a little bit. And there seems to be a negative. Um, negative connotation around star now from a uk perspective but i didn't know that that was felt the same here i mean i actually found out recently the app or, or the service um was created by kiwis originally i always thought it was a british yes. thing no, is, yeah. so that might be a reason um look i think at the end of the day most of it is is independent filmmakers on you know micro budgets and and all the rest of it so with that you can get braver more daring maybe more artistically credible work but you can also get people in their first projects um mm -hmm. some work that might potentially be less desirable but you can also get that on the on the high professional level and work through your agents so oh yeah I, I, I mean, look, 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 some people are funny, but my agents personally are absolutely fine with it. I've, I've, I very early on said, look, do you mind if I seek my own work in between? And they said, no, Ben, we're just thrilled that when people ask what you're up to, we can say you're busy. It's not, it's not a sense of, of um, he's sitting at home waiting for us to call him, you know? Um, I think and, it's really important for, um, for actors to take control of their career and take control of their trajectory because, you know, totally. the, oh, there's, a lot of people out there that don't have agents like it's hard to get an agent and if you're not with an agent how it's are you very, it's very hard yeah exactly if you're not with an agent how else are you going to get work i think star now is a is an amazing resource um and majority i, I think probably i think 100 percent of the um tv and film work that i have done has come from star now 
Yes. Like I have had one had when I had my agent. I had had one audition for something that wasn't a TV commercial through him. Everything else, and I've done two features this year. I will have done two shorts this year, plus two plays. Everything has come from Star Now. I, yes. I, like I would not be worked. I would not have worked if it wasn't for something like Star Now. No, and I think I think you're right. I think autonomy is so important in because unlike a musician, a photographer, whatever else, we can't really practice what we do on our own. We can't, like, like you can go home, you can practice the guitar, you can write, you can, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and also, it is the only art form in that the range of work we do is limited by our physic. You know, um, there are certain roles that no matter how much makeup, whatever, I will just never be cast in. And likewise, it's the same for anybody. So there's already a lot of power, I feel, that, that is relinquished compared to other pursuits. So anything that can help that sense of um, finding the work yourself or building the content or, or just a sense of progress, right, mm-hmm. you know, on, on our own is so much more empowering. And, and again, like I say, it, it, you know, particularly when you arrive in a new country like I have, there are, there is downtime because nobody knows you you haven't you know effectively you're starting again how much better is it to say that you're working than you've been for a few auditions and and i I'm still auditioning you know waiting for my agent to call i mean it's it's i think look anything that can increase the chances of working that it, it's obvious yeah absolutely yeah, of course well yeah. you seem to be in a very fortunate position where you are as you already said this has been a successful year for you so it's um you're in a great position at the moment by the sounds of it. Do you how do you keep your acting muscle warm when you're not working? Um, a number of things. I have I have a morning ritual every morning. I do. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist's way. I'm not. Julia. Please tell me. Julia Cameron is a. Uh, a life coach, a director, a writer, a painter. I think she was a singer and a dancer at one point. Um, she was married to Martin Scorsese for some time. She wrote a book in 1992. It was published called The Artist's Way. And it was based on, if I understand right, a course she ran in LA. And effectively, it's about um, a blocked artist's recovery, if you want to call it that. Um, a lot of it's based off the 12 step program, which is okay. infinitely fascinating and obviously therapeutic. Um, and one, but the whole point of it is, is it's 12 weeks and the core of it is every single day you do what's called the morning pages, which is you write three pages, stream of consciousness. It could, even if you write for a paragraph, I don't know what to write. Nothing's coming to mind. This is so boring. I really can't be fucked with this right now, whatever. Just, just keep writing. And the idea of it is that you've got a safe place to um, to put all your thoughts in with no consequences. Obviously, you keep them to yourself. And you're getting more in touch with where you are. You do it very shortly after waking up. And so you just write whatever it is. You might come up with ideas for things you want to create. You might just want to have a whinge for three pages. You might have a whinge for, a, I find about a page and a half in, all of a sudden, what feels like more of a sense of the truth of what's going on with me each morning I'm just a little bit closer to understanding that and also you get more in touch with the flow of the way thoughts come to you like I say that thing about the artist you're a vessel through life and you know we don't own our art I don't think I mean of course on the 
literal level we're credited but you know we don't i think there's something nice that that comes with that selfless approach so the morning pages help a lot with that so that's one thing the other thing she gets you to do is something called the artist date whether it's a walk in the park whether it's going to the cinema painting whatever it is, whatever it is that fills you up with joy um me it's playing music reading comics watching films um going for a walk um eating beautiful food whatever it is like a treat once a week and it's something that you stick to and it it's not interrupted it's it's ideally on your own if it's a group activity that's different but you know so it's it's formed on that so that's something that yeah that's the artist's way essentially how do we get onto the artist's way again <laughs> i asked how you keep your acting muscle warm oh that right right so that helps a lot every morning i do the morning pages um meditating exercising um watching and absorbing not as not only film and theater and podcasts but go to galleries watch music listen to music just delving in and just absorbing like a sponge as much as i can and not just in the arts but also in life watching I'm fascinated by the human condition, how bizarre we are and how what I keep thinking are the realms of reality. I keep seeing people on the street with walks that I could never have imagined outside of a cartoon character, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most, I, I, you know, classes for sure. I haven't actually taken part in classes for some time now, um, not because I don't want to, I just, I, I haven't. I, I actually probably should get onto that. Um, but I think, look, when you can't go home and practice quite the same as when you came and you're working or in a class, I think just just paying attention to your being and every other being around you and just experience and reflection, all the rest of it. Because yeah. it, is, it, is, it is also the only art form that is based solely on human behavior. Everything else is an expression of it. Right now we're two characters in a scene sharing dialogue with objectives or whatever it be, you know. Yep. So we can just observe, yeah. Yeah, I think I need to observe more. Yeah? You yeah. seem like an observant chap, though. You're pretty Look, astute. I'm not, I'm not not an observant chap, but I, I mean from uh, observing the human condition a little bit more, perhaps I could adopt a little, a little of that myself. I sure. see I do scene work regularly um, to, yeah. to keep my acting muscle warm, but then... But then feel sometimes that I that there is something, maybe a little something missing, and I wonder if that's because of my perception of the human condition or whatnot. Anyway, that's by the by. I mean, I mean, I suppose ultimately any art is about um, observing, interpreting, and reporting back. Yes. So it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that your observations have to match someone else's. I think the important thing is for particularly for an actor to have their view, or any artist have their view of the world. It's just just understanding your perceptions i think but um i don't know what you're worried about you're a fine actor danny oh thank you very much that's very kind loved working with you in march was it uh it was april i think april of course it was of course it was that's right first night was um my birthday everything yeah yeah yes it was uh yeah well i'm very keen to see how that has turned out yes yes i keep getting little messages back that it's a slow but steady process I'm, oh it, i've it, not heard anything from matt since we uh since we filmed yeah i've been sort of every few months oh just wondering how it's coming along you know 
I'd be, I'd be fascinated. It was an interesting experience, wasn't it? Interesting is the word for it. Yes, it was a very interesting experience, but an experience nonetheless. And I don't think that there is, I don't think there is such thing as a bad experience when it comes to working on films or on a film set. Let me caveat that with obviously the the obvious bad experiences of. Uh, I'm not so. Yeah, I'm not talking about the obvious bad experiences of, I don't know, misconduct or something like that on set. But I mean, there no experience is a bad experience when it comes to being able to be on set and immerse yourself in a film or um, whatnot. God, that was a bit of a bit of a babble, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Love on it. Look, look, look. I mean, look, look, if nothing else, look, I mean, I, look, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation if that project didn't happen. This is very um, true. You know, we met. Um, Met a number of, you know, Steve Moreska was a joy, wasn't he? Amelia Conway, you know, everyone, Maddie, everyone who was involved. It was, it was hilarious. I it mean, was um, very funny. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, look, yes. thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate uh, you coming to have a little, a little chat about your experience. Um, I think there's some interesting stuff in there for some people, especially the, I guess, around the dyslexia and how to kind of cope with it's that very it's very common amongst actors it, it um yes I, I i i'm not sure what it is but um dyslexics are very attracted to acting it seems generally generally speaking you know <laughs> yeah. well there you go cool. yeah thank you awesome. so much Jenny. It's been a joy. No, thank you and good luck with uh with with your current workload likewise likewise have you started shooting your casting that you got last week? You were no, 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 no. Um, I don't actually know when it starts shooting. Uh, we're just okay. there. I, I know that it's somewhere within the next five to six weeks. So we have not got okay. actual shoot dates and it's all, majority of it is over Zoom. So Fantastic. it will be interesting. It's a really interesting medium. There's so much you can actually do with those boundaries to play with them. Definitely. Definitely. Look, mate, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your week. Cheers, buddy. You too. Right. Bye.